but we started migrating some of the rare Pepe's last night. The collection currently sits at 1,998 total items, 823 unique items. We're almost already at half of the total vaulted unique items. Rare Pepe's are 1,774 unique cards. We're sitting at 823 at 49% unique ownership. Amazing. And 973 owners. Adam, how, how many owners do you think we end up with by the end of this migration? Oh my God, dude. I have no idea. The ownership count, what are we at now? Not at almost 900, a thousand 900, right now? Amazing. 973, we have 16,000 vaults still to go. Wow. Hmm. 2,800? That's my get. I don't know. Something like oh, that. What I'm shooting for like 7,000. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> if we're sitting at four, I was watching this last night as Shannon was doing some of this migrations, we started, it was at 42% unique ownership. And then as the migrations were going, unique ownership was increasing. So it shows me that a oh, lot wow. of people just own one or oh, two. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I would have thought I would have gone the complete opposite. Opposite, way. yeah. So if we're gonna end up with almost 18,000 at the end of this migration, right? And 50% unique ownership, that'd be like 9,000 people, but. It's incredible, man. Hey, we are back. It is Thursday. Pepe Fest it just started today. Adam, how are you feeling this morning? Lots underway. I was like, should we pull? Because they're doing like the Google Meet like during our show. I was like, should we just pull in the Google Meet and just <laughs> pull it onto the show? I was thinking about that. What um, Google Meet? What Google Meet? Oh, you didn't see. They're having they're having like a live meeting in like a half hour. I think Joe's running like a, a little thing on Google Meet. And uh, yeah. I put it in the comments down below if anybody wants to check it out. Uh, dude, yeah. Literally, our entire listener base is either Amsterdam or Paris this week. <laughs> feels like a ghost town. Well, you saw like the pitch, the uh, videos from Pepe Fest. I mean, it's it's green in that studio or whatever in that little uh, that little art studio, man. It is like green fest in there, man. It's like woof. See that green color? It's a little bit overwhelming, but looks like fun, man, for sure. I saw mullet. Mullets were happening, uh, you know, earlier today. So it looks like fun. Pepe cuts. It's it's one of the fun fun components of the Pepe's community is that all these cards have some sort of unique story about it. I think that's what makes it beautiful, or some sort of like innovative way to use a card. So what Bunzi told me with the Pepe cuts is he's going to mint a fake rare, at least from my understanding. And then if you got the cut, you get the fake rare for free. Nice. Right. So like that shit, that's somebody it. like me where there's not much cutting to be done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's exciting, man. I got a picture of our of our, our sponsorship over there, which oh, nice. we'll go into a little bit. So if you guys stay on, there's going to be some alpha dropping here. Probably in the next 30 minutes, you could be the first to listen or those who are listening. Nice. Uh, yeah, we got a lot, a lot of good and fun news to begin. And one of the beginnings is Pepe's. I don't know if you guys saw, but we started migrating some of the rare Pepe's last night. The collection currently sits at 1,998 total items, 823 unique items. We're almost already at half of the total vaulted unique items. Rare Pepe's are 1,774 unique cards. We're sitting at 823 at 49% unique ownership Amazing. and 973 owners. Adam, how, how many owners do you think we end up with at the end of this migration? Oh my God, dude. I have no idea. The ownership count. What are we at now? Not at almost a thousand right now. Amazing. 973. We have 
16,000 volts still to go. Wow. Mm. 2,800. That's my get. I don't know. Something like oh, that. What do you, what's oh, your you're, you're, I, I'm shooting for like 7,000. Oh boy. <laughs> if we're sitting at four, I was watching this last night as Shannon was doing some of this migrations, we started, it was at 42% unique ownership. And then as the migrations were going, unique ownership was increasing. So it shows me that a oh, lot wow. of people just own one or oh, two. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I would have thought I would have gone the complete opposite, opposite. way. Opposite, yeah. So if we're good, if we have, if we're going to end up with almost 18,000 at the end of this migration, right, and 50% unique ownership, that'd be like 9,000 people. But it's incredible, man. To say the least, Pepe Fest is Bro. here. And we, fake rares are ongoing. It's a very, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a very exciting time. There are a few metadata issues with some of the cards, but that I think has to do with X chain where we have to manually kind of update this. It's interesting. I saw this posted yesterday. I honestly have no idea who the NFT magazine is, but apparently they did a whole entire feature on Pepe Fest this week. Maybe just because it's called NFT magazine, it's supposed to be important. Right. <laughs> Does anybody even put out magazines anymore? Like, when was the last time? I mean, even in the airport, I don't pick up a magazine. Do you ever? Does anybody in the audience ever pick up a, a magazine? Like, what would I, you even do with it? <laughs> yeah, I I can't tell you the last time I read a magazine. Although I've been published personally in a few magazines, like Las Vegas ones, and I have them in the back. That's just no, like that's a, thrilling, piece. right? It's like, like that's the piece. Piece. So it's like you don't ever open it. Yeah. <laughs> no, being in a magazine or, you know, that's, that's always interesting and fun, but yeah, actually buying a magazine. Crazy. It, it looks like the bidding is now underway for all of the cards and physical pieces at Pepe Fest through scarcity. Who's been a partner with Pepe, the Pepe community for quite some time. I think it goes back to like 2019. There's a lot of cool stuff here. Like, a few action figures, there's some Lego Pepe's, there's some artistic pieces, some actual like very beautiful like hand-painted Pepe's. It's such a weird world to be in at times. I saw the, the price guide kicking around Twitter. That was a little bit up. Yeah, the price guide was going around. Yeah, it's just fun Pepe times, man. Like this, I like this one. So this is Mike Three's, the, he's a popular memer. This is like actual physically hand-painted version of his fake rare card that he has existing so that one's pretty cool oh this is this is bunsies right here this is an actual physical piece uh did, adam did you see the video of the the pepe cuts of bunsies it, I, i've seen a bunch of his posts and i saw him making like the heads right so but i i haven't seen i didn't know this was like a standalone thing that he was selling standalone piece so here's the video. The funniest part is he got stopped by TSA taking it through TSA. Oh yeah, what happened there? Look, see here's the video. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys are watching on the live, uh, Jake sharing the the video of it. That's awesome. It looks like so. It's like when you go to a a barber shop, it has that red and white kind of cone that's cycling. He did that with Pepe and tried to take it through the airport, and it honestly looks like a pipe bomb. <laughs> <laughs> So it's probably it's probably what exactly happened. Dogfather, what's going on? Yeah, what's good, guys? Yeah, that looks really amazing. So uh, yeah, I'm going to Amsterdam next week. So I'm also super excited for this IRL action. Um, already bought my wizard costume and a few things. So uh, and now I'm thinking about because people are discussing in the chats like how to bring the costume to Amsterdam. I'm like, 
would that be too much wearing that in the airport and on, on the plane? I mean, <laughs> would, would they kick you out or would that be okay? Or does it depend on the length of the wizard stick? So what do you think? Yeah, dude, I, I went to the, so I went to the wizard party when I was at NFT NYC and it was a fucking blast. And there was probably maybe 50% of the people dressed up. I would go through in I would go through TSA in the full wizard outfit. Tell them that this is going to be a magical ride. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 Halloween season, right? It's around the corner. I think that that's better than in summer. I think that would look really weird. But I think now, I think autumn, Halloween, you know, that that, that should work. I hope so. <laughs> oh, yeah, the cool thing I like about this Pepe Fest is that it's free. I think this is a model that a lot of conferences should move to. Yep. I've been uh, one of my buddies that's out here in Vegas. He runs the Web3 Expo. Is that the win? And so we've been discussing the, uh, the plan to do a whole free kind of conference because the issue with the conferences is, is that no one wants to pay $700 to go inside NFT NYC, but I'll sure as hell pay, you know, 400 to go down there and then another, you know, 800 bucks on rooms to go to all the parties. So you might as well make it free so that people actually go inside and you can do things like token gating rooms, right? But most of, most of these conferences are generally paid for by the foundations of these different blockchains anyways. Yep. So I like that Pepe has moved to this model because realistically people are just coming for the parties. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you think about like NFT NYC is the perfect example. Just It just feels like a money grab, right? And half the people who go don't even buy a ticket right? Maybe more than half. And then it's like none, especially in like New York City or Paris, you can't attract any local people because nobody's going to pay the 500 bucks or whatever it is to get in. So you lose any sort of attraction of local people, right? So yeah, I'm with you a million percent, man. You know, just have it found, funded by the, the sponsors of it. Yeah. So the, the few foundations, like it's like the actual blockchain foundations who have literally hundreds of millions of dollars, like consent like the ethereum foundation or avalanche foundation they just want to put their name there and what i've learned is i've been helping kind of be this middleman between this conference and and kind of the the vegas government local government and these foundations they're paying because they want to be they want to be connected to like the local officials so that they can get tax breaks or just some sort of protection right so you think about it if you're like the avalanche foundation and you pay a million dollars for this Vegas conference, but then it guarantees you a seat at the table with, you know, the local regulators like that is well worth it. Right. <laughs> and then the like eventual kind of court fines that they'll have to get down. And so kind of learning the back end of that, I've learned a lot about how these conferences actually operate. There's so many different dynamics to it, but ultimately they should be free because no one's going to pay 700 bucks. That's honestly why I apply for TNYC, even though I like talking, but there's no way you're going to see me talking. Adam, have you applied to NFT NYC this year? Are you? Uh, we, were, we were debating it, and I'm like, do I want to go, man? I, I just, it, it feels like, you know, NFT NYC is like, of all of them that I've been to, it's like the least, it's like the parties and everything are really the the only thing about NFT NYC. Like the, the conference itself is just, it's like trash. You know what I mean? I just, it, that's the vibe I get from NYC. It's just, it's, uh, I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not a huge fan of now that I've been to several in different locations. It's been, it's like the weakest one in my opinion, even like that one we went to in Florida, whatever that one was like, you know, where I met you the first oh, time NFT NYC, yeah. in, in, in Miami. Miami. You know, that one was even like just 
more vibey, smaller. You, you get to meet people, you know, and NYC is just like, rah. Chris and I went to, Chris and I went to NFT Miami this year and it was horrible. <laughs> ghost town, right? It was, it was like no, literally town. nobody there. It was a ghost town. It was a ghost town. Chris, what did you think of it when we went earlier this year? Yo. What's going on? Oh man, these conferences. Yeah, they're definitely a bit of a handful. The whole thing is when you throw these major events, you kind of want to attract some type of new, you know, participants when interested in the industry. Yeah. And so charging like $700 is never going to make that happen. So it's just always a mess. Definitely need to get those ticket prices down and, uh, kind of, you know, expand the industry a bit. But in NFT Miami, I think Jake and I were like two of 10 people there. So <laughs> <laughs> You were like the only ones. Jake's giving the speech to you. <laughs> Anthony Pompliano was there and there was like, 10 people there and i was like That's this is crazy. not there was like yeah usually those things are packed for people like that i was because when we were there right. they had like you know some big name they had like grant cardone spoke mm -hmm. in the big room you remember they didn't and, even have the big room open this year it was just wow. like outside stuff everyone's speaking into it so just uh, the historical uh, nft stage this year just that tiny <laughs> stage <laughs> Oh, buddy. Dogfather, I hope we're not persuading you or persuading you to not go to Amsterdam because everyone is down so bad. No, no. I think Amsterdam would, would be cool because, I mean, this is like hardcore community. They have fun. I just wanted to see. I mean, most people go to NYC New York as a speaker because the VIP dinner is so cool. Heard about yeah. from Theo that it's really spectacular. I think he even made a cut about that because it was so kind of like honored to be there. So just, just kidding. <clears throat> No, I think the smaller events are cooler because it's like a niche. It's a hardcore community. This is why the Peppy Fest or Inscribing Amsterdam is way more fun than a big conference that's like overcharging and, uh, you know, that the community is not, not really behind it. Yeah, it seems like this year the conferences or all the Papa conferences are not in the United States. They have all been in Europe, for at least from what I've heard. So we'll see where that's going. Adam, I want to start off with the interesting conversation. I don't know if you've been following Casey recently, the uh, creator of Ordinal Theory, but he's proposed some new dynamics to That's his true. new Rolling Stone. I did, have, you, have, you, have you gone through this yet? Because nope. this man said he was going to build a fucking shit, shit coin casino for, <laughs> for the Bitcoin community. And I'm going to be honest, this is exactly what he's doing. Right? <laughs> It's literally a slot machine. No, what? Tell me about it, man. For, for what this man lacks in leadership, he's definitely making up for in creativity. Like it is insane. I need to talk. I need to DM this guy so I can talk to him. Like Casey, if you're listening to this on your alt, please, please let's talk. So, I put this tweet out yesterday. I said, "What it's kind of what this Runestone thing's forming to? It's like a combination of Mastercoin, Counterparty, and Ordinal Theory." So this is right here. What? But I've pulled up on the screen. There's two tweets that he put out. He said, here's an alternative schedule, which unlocks one bit every difficulty adjustment or approximately every two weeks. Since runes are 128 bits, this would unlock all runes over the course of five years. So this, and what you see here is just like, it's like a string of letters. Okay. And so these are going to be the ticker names of the runestone fungible currencies. You're not going to get a unique name. You get a string of numbers and letters. And so it starts with this like huge eight bit name that has, I don't know, what is this? Maybe like 40 characters yep. in weeks in the first week. And then the last week is when you get all the grail ones that are single letters, gotcha. right? So if you want, if you want the runestone ticker a, you're going to have to wait till week 256. 
And so Very it goes interesting. Yeah. It goes in reverse order. Leonidas had the greatest comment of this. It says bullish on B C A B C D E F G H I J K. Uh, I was dying when I read that. I was like, it's it hilarious. <laughs> Casey is like very resistant to unique tickers. And there was another comment here. Who's the creator of, where was it? Maybe it might be in the, it might be in the other comment. So here, let me go back. So he adds, he had some additional context to it above this retweet. And he says, and finally, here's a schedule which requires burning Bitcoin by sending it to an op return when you mint a rune, depending on the length of the rune. One character is 100 Bitcoin down to one sat for 11 characters and everything 12 characters or longer is free. So this is where Bitcoin come on man. for a he like oh, I said, he likes he, he if he's built, he said he was going to build everyone a shitcoin casino. That's exactly what he's doing, right? It is quite creative, right? So he's taking the burned Bitcoin and getting a fungible token. That's exactly what Counterparty is, right? You burned Bitcoin to get Counterparty or XCP, which then you use to, to mint your ticker. Mastercoin, he's kind of borrowing from the UTXO model. And he actually said this in an interview. That's where he was inspired from. And then he's using uh, kind of properties of ordinal theory to index all of this and also kind of this like sat tracking model, which could also be, which also could resemble colored coins as well. So he, he's definitely taking all of these different properties and melting them and blending them together with unique Casey twists. You know, I'm actually, you know, I'm quite impressed by what he's doing. Again, the leadership kind of standpoint, I don't really agree with. I, I think the fact that you're just, burning the entire community that built up your entire protocol and doing this and then saying he wanted to merge runestone into ordinal theory i just think it's such a big slap in the face to your community the product that he's building dude is i'm I'm quite impressed this thing i think is going to have quite a lot of interest but wait Uh, why i see so i see there why are the the ones that obviously have like huge numbers why are they going to be free basically why don't they have any fee cost at all you know what i'm saying yeah, so the because it's going to be in the beginning, right? So what you see this like little graph. Yeah, so I see that. So the Wayne's way up top, like you'll be able to get them for free for the next year or two. Mm-hmm. The, the number's so huge or whatever it'll be basically. I actually like that idea. I was kind of kicking around this, this idea for, you know, any any token really that doesn't have, that's not tied to some utility or something. There is this like inherent unfairness about, you know, the early adopters, right? Get all the rewards, right? They're able to claim all the good names and stuff like that. So this is an interesting way that would allow the community to build over time. And then when you get to the more interesting names and stuff, in theory, a wider swath of people are interested, right? So so it's a, a fairer kind of launch or distribution. The There was a, a really good comment that somebody said or that that responded to this. And they said... Let me see if I could find it because Casey actually did respond to it somewhere, somewhere in here. <clears throat> but basically, it's this idea. Oh, somebody commented on it and said, "I'm sorry, but I can't help but laugh my ass off at everyone getting mad at you, Casey, at grappling with the decentralized names namespace bootstrapping problem, which is something we've discussed quite often. Which was this thing that right Namecoin has tried to solve. You've had Ether ID, you have ENS." This is counterparty, right? The issue with counterparty was everyone gobbled up all the names within the first week of all the unique names. 
<clears throat> so here he's trying to, to solve it, right? If you don't want to do an expiration, because you can't have an expiration model on, on Bitcoin, at least in its current state, he's gamifying it. And I'm excited to see Woody Woody pops. I do think this is, I'm, I'm be honest, you know, I love BRC20, but it's it's not looking good. Tell me why you think it's not looking good. Tell me about it. And then it's I'll talk about it. Right. So you have, think about it like in the terms of when this is finally going to be launched. Think of the headlines. Creator of Ordinal Theory launches new fungible token standard on Bitcoin. Like right. that is going to be all over Coindesk. It's going to be all over all the headlines. It's going to be all through Bitcoin. That is just going to grab investor money because people saw what happened with, with Ordinal Theory. Yep. And so they're going to do exactly the same thing here. It's to me, it just makes a lot of sense. And what he's doing is pretty cool. Again, I don't agree with the leadership standpoint and the things that he's done to burn his community. But from looking at it objectively now, I, I don't see how this thing doesn't have a lot of interest by the time that he announces when the block height is reached, that's when you can start minting that. Uh, it shall be quite interesting. Dogfather, what's your take on this? Yeah, I have a few ones. So first, the, the cool thing about Casey is he's not reinventing the wheel, right? So with ENS, we also had a beginning period where the shorter ones, the shorty ENS, were not available. So you see all these old long ones, and then they came out with, okay, now we allow like the the three character ones or the three digits so it's pretty similar and it's making a lot of sense to have this smooth start with the long names nobody really wants and then later you have the shorter ones like typical tickers are like three characters or digits that's what people want i'm not even sure that anyone wants to pay such a premium for a one digit or one character one but but, but let's see we don't we don't have that right i mean not not on the stock market not anywhere else where we have the one digits so we will see whether people pay 100 btc i i guess not so but 0.1 btc for a three character three digits looks reasonable i mean we have i just checked out the 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 biggest minters subscribers with the with the sats brc20 i mean they paid like eight btc you know i mean really lots of money so there will be a demand for that but you have to bear in mind that the cruise, this will be in like three, four or five years, according to this proposal. So we talk about a, a long time into the future. So uh, that, that's the cool part. So for BRC20, they can really establish themselves. And once the cool names come out in three years, who knows what's going on then? I mean, that's so far in the future. Hey, the way that you could see him thinking about this is as the project matures, that's when the better names come in to prevent the squatters. But it will be interesting to see how people build their project with a with a ticker name that's like 30 characters long. How how would how would that work? Does it work like you get you try you would basically mint and choose the one you want? Or it's not a random kind of lottery. No, you, you you can choose, but a, so I could again, get a, 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 a all the way down, right? And you have to pay for it. Yeah. And I, I could see people starting this immediately building a project and then maybe two three years down the road they acquire a ticker and then migrate their assets over there's gonna be a lot of game theory that's gonna be wrapped up in this to say the least but if you go through his github it's not they're not anywhere close to even being done there's literally like 10 different requests and ideas that they're trying to tackle here for adoption but He's, he's putting out quite quite a proposal, man. I, I would consider dabbling with it. You know, I'll go mint uh, if I could go get A, B, C, D, E, F, G in, in alphanumerical order. <laughs> I'm, I'm game. I'll play the game. 
Then I gotta find that. I gotta retweet that that Leo tweet, man. Bullish on <laughs> X Y Z EQ. It's it's so perfect. Yeah. So I guess it is to be determined to see what happens at the end of the day here. But it'll be quite interesting. And kind of moving past that, it but still in the marketplace and and kind of ecosystem. I found this kind of interesting. Magic Eden announced that they're creating a VIP cross-chain digital collectible shopping experience. What the hell does this even mean? It means that they're basically just creating an OTC desk. They Magic Eden, they have a marketplace for four different blockchains so far, right? This is right up our alley, Adam, with Emblem Vault. They have Ordinals, Ethereum, Solana, and Polygon. I think Ordinals and, and Solana are really the only ones that actually get any traction. So they said, hey, you know, we have two... We have marketplace on two EVM chains, two non-EVM chains. Unless we're using Emblem Vault, there's no way for us to really connect everything. So they're just going to create their own OTC desk for their their higher-end clients. This is very common in the high art ecosystem and kind of Sotheby's and Christie's is that generally when high-value assets are moving, there's no paper trail. It's generally done behind closed doors. People respect some privacy. Etc. We've talked about this kind of product for for Emblem for quite some time. We also saw that I think it was Bitcoin Magazine launched an Ordinals version of this, and uh, from what I hear, it's got pretty much zero traction. What it, what, Adam, what's your take on OTC desks in the di- cross-chain digital collectible space? Well, I think it's uh, those are completely contingent on connections, and if you don't have the connections and no buyers, you're not going to get any traction. So whether or not they're able to get traction is going to be dependent on if they're deeply connected with people who are buying high-end NFTs, right? And, you know, my gut says they're probably not. You know, they're busy building their marketplace, you know, and good on them. You know, just like Bitcoin Magazine, they offer it. But do they know, you know, buyers who are throwing down 100 ETH for journals or whatever? Like, probably not, right? And so I think it's a different skill set. I mean, you and I both have you know, you know, helped with, with sales. We know a lot of people who do, and they're not typically people who are just, you know, you know, they're not people involved in marketplaces and stuff. They're just generally connected people into, you know, the, the ecosphere and and just know whales and stuff like that. So hard thing to pull off, you know, unless they have somebody on their team who is kind of connected in that way. I don't know. I I don't know who that is on their team. Yeah. Yeah. It should be interesting. The multi-chain, Cross-chain experience is very, very important. Chris, you're a big Solana guy. You've dabbled with Magic Eden. What are your thoughts on this? Bullish or bearish? Yeah, I have to think that it probably started from Odds, Charfu, and ZK kind of ran an OTC desk that was pretty successful. Seemed like it had a similar setup to what the VIP experience at Magic Eden is going to be. So I have to think it probably stemmed from there. It's kind of one of those things where you can never predict the market, and so you have to get ahead of it. And when the market's blazing, that desk is probably going to be blazing as well. So it's it's very kind of path dependent on when the market returns, it'll probably blow up pretty decent and kind of getting your foot in the door and getting your structure and situation ready beforehand. So I think it's a good step. I think it's a step in the right direction. It's going to come down to who has the resources, who has the education, you know, who has the network to kind of pull it off. But definitely like to see it. It's a good step for the industry in general. Yeah, we've got some competition, Adam. But you know what? We Let's can go, combat- baby. We can combat it because I don't know if you guys saw the pin post right now. We have our own solution to this, and it is called Emblem Markets. We unveiled 
today at Pepe Fest. Through our sponsorship, we're releasing a marketplace, a multi-chain marketplace that will be coming out end of Q4. There's a QR code on that image that you should, I would recommend checking out, or you could just check out this domain. I'll give it to you here, emblem.markets. Go to that website right now. Might be put into an allow list, a giveaway, you know, all, <laughs> kinds, of, all kinds of different things. Don't downplay it, bro. This is the alpha, guys. Go now. <laughs> this is the alpha, guys. We're, but we're this doing is just that. for people in the space. We're not going to be really uh, pushing out there. So go get yeah, it. Yeah, maybe on from maybe Friday or Saturday at the end of it. Ultimately, when you realize that no one actually goes to the festival and to see the sponsorship, to scan the QR code. <laughs> But yeah, let's, so let's kind of like that. We'll dive into it a little bit. We've been talking about building a marketplace since Adam and I joined the team last November. So 11 months ago. And the Mar Emblem Marketplace even goes back before that even to like yep. a few years of this idea of a multi-chain marketplace. And so we've been building up towards this through some sort of, through these curated collections. And I've, I've stated this many times that to the community that in order to build a marketplace, curated collections have to exist without having an ERC-1155 and ERC-721. Collection standards, there's no way for this multi-chain marketplace to exist, right? So the idea here is that it's gonna be more than a marketplace, it's also gonna be a platform. We're gonna have multiple features to this where the marketplace will have all the curated collections that will exist on multiple chains. So like, for example, Rare Pepe, Rare Pepe, Curated collection is deployed on Polygon, BNB, and Ethereum, which is the chains that we've been that we've deployed on. Uh, you'll that will all exist within one collection on one single asset page, and there will be incentives. Thinness, this there will be rewards. There will be tokenization, and we're going to be listening to the community in terms of thoughts and ideas moving forward. But it, it is in the process of being built. So it isn't something we're just teasing. It is already done. We've been working on this now for a few months. It's not an easy feat to do of a multi-chain marketplace. Even, you know, we're using, possibly we've, we've talked with Reservoir, who does the support for all these blockchains. And I've had multiple calls with them. And so they're giving us their full support. And they're actually going to build some some interesting stuff for us so that we can make it happen. So they're very excited that we'll be using their technology. We're very excited that we can bridge proof of work assets and proof of stake assets all in one single place. There's again, there's going to be a lot of other features to this as well. It's going to be a place for Emblem Vault to release our own products. And the reason why I say this is that we, we ran into this issue over the last year since Adam and I've been here is we build these products and other projects say, hey, we want this product. Can you build it? And then we go build this project, we go build this product, and then they don't ever integrate it. So this will give us an outlet to release all of our new things like private vaults, stealth vaults, time locked vaults, batch minting, bulk minting, native vaulting, all these ideas that we have out there. We can all just embed directly into the marketplace. And again, stay tuned for all of the other offerings. But Man, Adam, what what are your what are your thoughts, man? I know you've uh, you've definitely been the uh, we'll say the middle ground in terms of the the marketplace and the ideas being you know a little bit conservative and always a good voice because I I generally just want to push forward with everything. How are you feeling about it now that we've at least let this group of people and PepeFS know what's happening? Yeah, I am uh, I'm super bullish on the the fact that we now have a, a platform to be able to launch new stuff. I'm not, you know, we're not going to be competing against OpenSea. That's not what we're doing. 
here. We are just creating a place where all of our assets can live, all of Emblem Vault assets can live. And then when new stuff pops up, you know, we have a place where people can go to find the new stuff. And and so we've already seen it with, you know, whatever, Ethscriptions, right? Certain punks got banned or something like that, you know, but these new integrations, which who knows what the next one's going to be, but the ability to launch that quickly on our own site and not have to worry about anything is just huge. Plus, it's just going to stop the DMs from us. When Marketplace, you know, we've been getting that. We've been getting the Emblem Vault's been getting the When Marketplace for like, you know, <laughs> A year and a half or two years so it'll be nice to uh, you know finally make those guys happy so that'll be good yeah yeah it's very exciting so i pulled up the emblem.markets here on the live stream as you can see there's a sign up page a few different things only thing that's that's required is the ethereum address we are asking for email twitter handle and xcp and the reason why is that it'll help us reach out to you for when we are ready to announce these additional offerings that are unique to emblem markets and then there's a little bit more information we'll probably keep this up for a little while again go recommend if you want to tweet about it that would probably help with the the publicity about it but very 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 exciting times marketplaces are making their moves emblem vault is ready to move into the next vision of what we can offer and uh, don't get me wrong we have a fuck ton of ideas. <laughs> so it's all about scaling. Ideas, right? are not the ideas are never the problem. It's always the execution, right? But I'm actually really psyched with what we've been able to do, you know, as a team and in the year we've been with Emblem. So it's, uh, I think it's awesome. For sure. Yes, yes. Dogfather, what's on your mind? Man, that, that that's pretty amazing. I mean, we talked about that plenty of times. So, and uh, it's really cool to see it shipping. In particular, you know, while other marketplaces are kind of like laying off tons of people, shutting down stuff, uh, closing doors, you know, building in the bear. I mean, that's like a prime example. So I think at the end, once the marketplace is there and everything is working, the only thing is like having enough uh, attention and eyes. I mean, that's, you know, the next, the next big, you know, I'm not saying hurdle, but challenge, right? Yeah, yeah, we have a few opposals internally of the incentive systems, rewards, memberships, whatever you want to call it. Right? Some that can inv involve Koval, some that involve NFTs, mix and match, or one or the other. There's a lot of decisions that have to be made, and uh, we have all of them laid out. It's just going to be moving forward. The demand for some of these in the current environment versus the interest and involvement, you know, Pepe migration, I think will be a good sign to see like where that level of interest is. I mean, over the last 48 hours, we've had over 30 fake rare sales and we don't even have like a sales bot <laughs> published yet. So <clears throat> there's definitely a lot of interest there to say the least. I mean, just imagine, dude, we now have, or will have probably by the end of tomorrow, you know, one place where, you know, anybody who's looking at rare Pepe can just go and buy a shop safely. How awesome is that, man? I mean, this is like, this is like literally years in the making, right? Yes. I remember specifically in the middle of 2021, the bull run, when kind of interest in Pepe started picking up and people were like, dude, why aren't you talking about Pepe's? And I'm like, bro, I can't in good conscience, send people to Emblem Vault who are just newbies to go get robbed you know what i mean just because of all the fake vaults and stuff and here we are you know where this is going to be you know a completely safe place for people to go 
buy, sell, and trade Pepe's is just, it's awesome, man. It's like a dream. It's a dream come true. Dream come true. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've tackled a lot of those, especially I'm also excited in between the emblem markets launch. And now we'll also have a new emblem.finance UI that'll be released, which is also probably 60, 70% done. And it's going to be mobile, mobile friendly. What? Right? The fact that emblem what? is scale, I the can fact control that- my vaults on my phone. Get out of here, Gallon. You crazy, man. The crazy, the crazy, part, the crazy part here is Emblem Vault scaled to 15,000 unique owners without a mobile experience. Like, how, <laughs> how, how wild is that to think about? That just Dude, shows when the people tell demand. you crypto can't get adoption, seriously. Like, <laughs> that is massive interest. That just tells you about crypto, how powerful it can be. When that number of people, you know how bad across the crypto board, the you know, the experience is. It shows that there is a tremendous interest. It's tremendous. Tremendous. Everyone loves the Pepe's. Yeah. No, no doubt in my mind. Chris, hats what you thinking? Everyone, yeah, hats off to everyone building the marketplace. And, you know, it's a huge step in the right direction. The cool thing is, is that there's so much variety with Emblem Vault. And you can vault basically any kind of liquid token, any kind of, you know, digital asset. And so you can have such a massive variety on the Emblem marketplace. That's totally different from any other product offering on the market right now. So the combinations are kind of endless. There's so much we can do with it and super stoked to see it get off the ground. We're definitely making some massive, massive waves. So go check out emblem.markets, sign up. You want to get on, get in early on this. This is going to be a big deal. Super pumped about it. High, high key alpha right there. High, high key alpha. I don't know, Adam, if you notice that OpenSea has also made some moves recently. They sunsetted their horrific storefront, the, <laughs> the creator. Horrific. Yeah, the, the one that mints NFTs that you don't even own. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? They, they got rid of that. They created a studio. They acquired a company. I forget what the company's name was. And they basically created their own OpenSea studio, which is kind of this like all-encompassing one-stop shop for creating NFTs, managing your collections, and uh, I guess like a few other kind of details. It's supposed to be very user-friendly for no coders like myself. And uh, here it is. Yeah, so they the lazy mintable items, right? The ones that they were censoring back in the day. I don't yep. know if you remember those. They were censoring like Ukrainian IP addresses or Russians or something like that. All kinds of different controversy. And then, of course, you look into the comments and it's just like, give us a fucking token, give us royalties. OpenSea <laughs> is down. I mean, I, I, I do feel bad for them because, you know, we've been involved with a lot of different people on their team. And Shout lot out, of great Cardi. People. Cardi, you're awesome. Yeah. If you're a lot, lot of great people over there. Unfortunately, I just think they've made a couple of just horrific mistakes. And I don't know if that was just from you know, leadership or, you know, direction by committee, but uh, they've just, I just look at them and I say, wow, they are in so much trouble. I don't know how much run, maybe they have a ton of runway and then they'll be okay because they'll be able to kind of figure something out over the next two years. But uh, boy, I just, this is a zero. It's a, doesn't move the knee. I mean, it just, it feels like everything they're doing now is reactionary and is literally like a year too late like just everything seems like they are a year late it you know what it feels like it feels like when uh, when coinbase launched their nft market and it was like <laughs> this should have been out eight months ago if this was eight months ago this might have worked you know and it just it feels like that it feels like 
corporate has taken over OpenSea and they need they need somebody with spit and vinegar vinegar just to come in there and just you know shake them by the neck because it's they're they're in real trouble. It's because they want to IPOs. It's like the, the whole plan. So they're trying and to IPO if nobody does nobody cares about it. I mean, it's just like nobody cares. They are down so bad. Traditional investors might buy it though. They want exposure to NFTs. This is maybe their maybe their way to go through with it. Right. There's also a lot of uncertainty surrounding NFTs and securities and all these other options. So so I understand, but they've definitely lost the leadership. I don't know, but people are turning on blur too, honestly. Because of the extended farming season two, and now they're all now all those farmers are now farming friend tech and dumping on everyone. <laughs> although, although recently looks rare, it's kind of come back from the grave, and they've made a bunch of different changes. What do you know? Gambling, bro. Gambling. <laughs> Who would have thought? Casinofi. <laughs> they said they're 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 not sunsetting the marketplace. They just said that they're diverting attention to on-chain gaming. Which really just started with a hey, put money in here and spin. But now they've also changed their tokenomics for looks. They're now initiating 50% of the fees that are earned through this casino product. They're buying back looks. And so the token value has increased, I think, like 50% or something. Really? I mean, it's still down 99%, but oh. you know, <laughs> it, yeah, right. A 50% move from three cents to six cents or whatever it is, right? It's like, <laughs> it was literally like $2 at one point. So wait, what happens? So all those looks that I stayed when I got my token drop, you know, whenever that was, and I staked my whole supply, should I leave that staked or do I need to like unstake it now? Am I not getting? No, you can leave it. So I'm my mine are still staked too. I'm still down horrific on these. They yeah, you just leave those. So they got rid of the 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 trading rewards. So before, if you, I think it was if you sold or if you bought NFTs on looks, you got like a percentage of that. 2% 2% back. They basically got rid of that. They moved that to the protocol rewards. And now the fees that are generated from this from this casino game, 50% of that's going to buying back looks, 40% is going to team treasury, and 10% going to protocol rewards. So 60% is going back to the community, which is which is cool, right? 50-60%. That's nuts. And and they're moving into it says their new products are going to focus on on-chain gaming. So I think that's something to watch. The other marketplace that's been pretty dead is is X2Y2 to see. Uh, I know we're in friend, in contact with with Joe and them from X2Fi, so they've been putting their focus on this like NFT Fi ecosystem, borrowing and lending. I think they're trying to create some other kind of financialized NFT products. This is what happens in bear markets, man. You you know how it is when when shit's down, down going south. You either gotta decide, do you want to double down on on what you're building, or is it time to pivot? It seems like most of these marketplaces are deciding to pivot into something, or at least the the kind of secondary ones. Yeah, I mean, my, my gut, and we've talked about this offline, is my gut is you don't necessarily, it doesn't really matter what these marketplaces are going to do right now. I think the looks move was smart because it just focused on something almost outside of crypto. It's just gambling, right? And there is never not people interested in gambling, right? Always people are going to be interested in gambling. So that was smart. But the kind of tinkering on the edges, like with OpenSea and and them trying to like roll out new products or this and that, like it's just the market has no appetite because there's no money in the market. So it's almost like they're just, I hope they're not spending much money, you know, <laughs> would be my point. Like just to guard your runway, 
guard your runway, you know, uh, whatever they got to do, they should be guarding their runways. Cause it's not going to really make a difference. Like it doesn't matter. Like literally open sea could launch the best minting experience of all time right now, have the best in the world. And it would not move the needle at all when it comes to open sea revenue. Cause the market doesn't care. Market's dead. You know what I mean? So it is, it is down pretty, pretty bad. In terms of maybe some other interesting product releases that we've seen, this Nike Artifact project, pretty cool. interesting. I know you you were finding kind of interesting in it. Give me a breakdown of what it is. Well, I mean, I'm just, you know, I think we were talking earlier, you know, when we were talking about Pokemon cards and, you know, talking about baseball cards and all these sort of card things where you're tying the real world to the digital. That is and hot. Right now. That is hot. It's hot. And, it, you know, people are saying, and I'm, of the mind, you know, my, my brain, obviously a lot of our brains goes to gaming and gaming has this great opportunity, but there's so much pushback in gaming. We all know that, but this tie to, you know, in real life items with the, the digital, it's strong and it works out of the box right now when you have these trusted third parties and what Nike's basically doing is they're launching a drop of shoes, whatever the sneaker happens to be, and you buy it and you get a token. And if you want to take, it's just the traditional burn mechanism. You want to get the actual shoe, you burn it, right? But if you don't, you can trade the token and then the token can swap and trade and all this sort of stuff. You have the full liquidity of an NFT tied to the in real life item. I mean, it just, these, this is like great use cases. And uh, this is what we were all talking about in 21. Like, and here it is. I mean, they're doing it. Supposedly it's pretty seamless. And here we go, man. This is good stuff. Yeah, I have a I have a podcast coming out next week with with the with Nicholas, who's the founder of Courtyard, who's been running all of the, the Pokemon card stuff, and he said that they're doing like 150k a day in volume on their on their it's website fantastic. alone. It was interesting how, how hit the conversation with him, how he proposed how they built Courtyard. He said that it's a traditional it's a traditional marketplace that runs on crypto rails. So they like, there's no outside of being able to purchase it in ETH. If you want, you don't, it doesn't even look like it's a crypto product. It just yeah. looks like it's like, Oh, we have these Pokemon cards stored in a vault in the Brinks vault and you can just kind of buy them. So he's built it out. And it seems like this seems to be the, the strategy of just having limited amount of crypto information, at least at the for, at the front. If you, you click on the asset, the Pokemon card, then it'll give you details about like token ID number and et cetera, et cetera. I but mean, this, that's, this is like the dream. Like when I, in early 21, I was helping a team out. We we're trying to do music NFTs. And this was like the dream of doing that is basically what they've done now with Courtyard. And back then, like it just wasn't set up. Like you just couldn't get the credit cards, you know, right. And it wasn't online or it wasn't on chain. And, it was just, it was just really hard. The tech had to kind of get caught up and it is now. And guys, you know, like if you are thinking about building something like now's the time, like literally, I mean, obviously they're already, you know, baseball cards, basketball cards, these are all going to happen, but other kind of uh, collectible things like this, obviously Pokemon's like it's top tier number one collectible on earth maybe so these guys were really smart to lean into pokemon and uh, I, I couldn't be more bullish it's just it just makes perfect fuck it's perfect use of blockchain technology and uh, and here it is man here it is 
there's two Maybe. there's two there's two gamification things I like about this product as well. And before I go into that, when I talked with Nicholas, the founder of Courtyard, I asked why Pokemon cards, and we kind of went through this conversation that he was attempting to mirror what Jeff Bezos did with Amazon. And what Amazon did is he said, hey, what is something that everyone is going to need on the internet and that everyone knows and understands that they'll buy? And so he started with books, but he had this grander vision of you know being the everything store. And I think Courtyard is a trying to take the same approach where they want to tokenize everything. But they said, what is every what what is like a common product that everyone possesses within the crypto space? And of course, Pokemon cards is is probably up there, maybe at one or maybe a top five. And it's going exactly to the way that they've envisioned so far, although they've been building this for two years and that to set up the back end is uh very cost intensive. He said that they have a very large lawyer army. <laughs> That I believe the lawyer army is real. I'm sure it's totally, <laughs> you think about it and you think what they're building and leaning into Pokemon at the start like this too, you know, if they, they gain real traction, like real war, I mean, look, they already have traction. I think it's mainly crypto related, but if they can really gain in real life traction to, you know, kids pulling Pokemon cards, if they can gain that traction, oh my goodness, you could just see, you know, the Pokemon card company just acquires them, right, or something. I mean, it's just, there's so many. And of course, they could go bigger into other, you know, avenues and other other areas. But just the Pokemon marketplace itself, just Pokemon cards is so, it's such a huge thing. I mean, largest just, IP brand, largest IP brand in the world, more than Disney. I think it's like almost double on what Disney is because they're across so many different domains. Two gamification things that you could do with Courtyard that that you can't do without a blockchain. One is this idea of getting 1% of residual fees when you tokenize it. So if you send in a Charizard, you will get one, <clears throat> you will get 1%. <clears throat> excuse me. Oh my God, I'm talking too much. You will get 1% every time that card trades until that Charizard is burned and that card is redeemed. So if that Charizard is graded at a 10, it sells for a thousand dollars. 400 times you will get one percent of that 1000 every time until somebody burns it and then here with their with their drops what they did is they opened up a bunch of packs took all the rare cards and they tokenized the individual ones and then put it in this like grails that got away number three for 300 dollars for his pack you get this one randomized ultra rare card and so then they did it by rarities like ultra rare rare common whatever and these, he said, these packs sold out literally in like minutes at three hundred dollars a pop. So they are adding there's a lot. That, of there's that uh, gambling aspect which people just love. <laughs> people just love it, man. I mean, it's just the, the unpacking. Uh, it's just people love that aspect, man. They just they're so smart. I I, sh I got to give this guy props. I got to send him a DM and just be like, bro, this is amazing. Nicholas really Lejeune, Lejeune, and they even have down here at the bottom. They show all the cards that you could possibly win, right? So, in, like increasing that FOMO to it. One thing I'd like to note, and this was actually a question that I had just in general about like tokenized real world assets, is about this like IP infringement. So we went <clears throat> we went over the case with StockX that got sued by Nike about a year and a half ago that they were attempting to be like this tokenized reseller of shoes. And they were going to do the same thing that they're doing at Courtyard. They're going to take the shoes, put it in a vault, and then you people can trade the NFT as a price exposure. Ultimately, what happened is they put the Nike logo on the image of the shoes 
and yeah. sold it. And what's happening right now in court is this thing that I guess you're not allowed to tamper with any sort of the image or make any changes to the exact image. So they, the fact that they put the Nike logo on the image of the shoes is showing or is a modification to it and therefore is IP infringement. So he said for all the Pokemon cards, it, it has to be exactly of what it is. So if it's inside of a grade 10, it has to have that exact grade 10 packaging on the outside of the image. He's like, we're not allowed to put stars on it. We're not allowed to put flames around it. You can't do anything because then you're creating a new asset that is using their IP and that's where you get sued. So he said, using the same exact things, like they're fine to do. There's no IP infringement. It's just making any site, any any sort of tweak to it is where you'll get that lawsuit. I wonder how much how much in lawyer fees that cost him to get that answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, man. He said they have an army of lawyers. He literally said yeah. that. <laughs> I, can, I can literally imagine that there were other lawyers who disagreed with that, right? And so he had to make a call and I think he's good. But uh, yeah, it's awesome, man. I just, I'm really proud of what those guys did because it is just as like, we're looking for these good use cases and this is just a super solid use case, man. Yeah, 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 it is. You know what else is a, a good use case or at least woke up this morning is uh, people farming Frentech and the people farming all these SocialFi. SocialFi seemed to be a good investment for a while. And then all of a sudden the SIM swapping thing started happening. I don't know, have you been, were you following that? I, I, tell me about the SIM swap thing. I did, I missed that part of it. So I saw what, one guy got rugged for like, he said 22 ETH or something, but was there other stuff? So four people got SIM swapped. Well, yeah, I think this was yesterday oh, wow. um, for about 200 grand. And so what these guys are doing, so with, with FriendTech, up until yesterday, you could only sign up using your phone number. There was no email option. So these people were SIM swapping them and then downloading FriendTech and then just draining their wallets. Well, they would sell everything. <laughs> And not only would it like crater, you know, that person's portfolio, but it would crater like all of these other like friend tech values because they're on a bonding curve. And so people were just, <laughs> people started running for the door, leaving. And then ultimately the friend tech team, who's been very good at like pushing new products when it's needed. Yesterday, they pushed out a product where you could switch it from, from phone number to email. So if you're on friend tech, I highly recommend doing that. Because these scammers are actively looking for people with board ape images and oh, wow. trying to trying to sim swap them. Crazy man, absolutely <laughs> crazy. Man. And now there's a new one on Avalanche. There was like a bunch of them, right? You had the new Bitcoin City one, which was the one that we tested. Yep. There was Post Tech on Arbitrum. I tried that whole team gave me sketchy vibes, so I sold everything and left. And then there was a new one on Avalanche called Star something Superstars something like that. Yeah. And I believe there was an exploit for a million dollars this morning. No. <laughs> I saw a post about it. I got to try to find that tweet again. But somebody was saying to run for the doors because there's like some sort of exploit within the, the code or something like that. Oh, my God, dude. But that one seemed to be the one that was getting the most attention. Yeah, Stars Arena it. was the one on Avalanche. Stars, Stars Arena. Yeah, here, I'm going to pull that up. But it seemed to be the one that was uh, getting all of the influencers kind of on board. Yeah, the future of SocialFi on Avax, on Avax. The interesting thing I'd like to note about these SocialFi platforms is that it's showing me this, like where the crypto space is going. And it's definitely multi-chain. You're seeing a bunch of users move across different blockchains, Bitcoin, Layer 2 Ethereum, on Ethereum, on AVAX. 
And there's no tribalism that's really being presented of saying like, oh, this is my superior blockchain, which was 100% present about two years ago. Totally. And now, now it's people are just moving across very freely. I think it's a very encouraging sign. Again, right? They're chasing liquidity more than they're chasing kind of anything else. Yep. But the fact that that social barrier is kind of non-existent now is very bullish for, for the ecosystem. Totally. I mean, it's, it is like, it just, you just, you see it and it's like, well, is it good, the next thing going to be on Tezos or it's going to be on Avalanche or whatever? Who knows, right? It's just going to take a, you know, a couple guys literally building in their mom's basement <laughs> to make the next cool thing that everybody's like, holy shit, this is the cool thing, right? And uh, yeah, it's super exciting that we don't know which which blockchain it's going to be on. I mean, Jesus, I don't even know how I'd get on Avalanche. I don't even know what to say. You know what I mean? I don't think I've ever used Avalanche. Okay, Stars Arena tweeted out two hours ago, the exploit's been fixed, but don't get it wrong, we're at war. And then they go on a tirade talking about how they're 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 at war with the exploiters. And the fun. little guy is under attack. You are under attack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're right. Platform diversity is under attack. What a great tweet. Oh, my God. That's exactly Yeah, The malicious actors are trying to spend $5 to drain $1 in TVL from our platform and goes on to basically say, like, keep using us because we're at war. Not, It's not your bags. It's our bags. It's right? our bags. <laughs> It's our bag. Chris, wait, so wait, they're on Avalanche. Is that right? They're on Avalanche. This is on Avalanche. There was one on Solana. Chris, have you tried out any of these? What, what, what are your thoughts on all of the SocialFi platforms? Yeah, they're definitely booming. I think it goes to kind of, you know, what we all know is that, you know, it's easy to be tribal with different blockchains when there's nothing to do but just hold tokens. But really what people want is cool apps. They want to try cool things. Like, you know, when is NFT gaming going to kind of blow up? Well, when fun NFT games actually, you know, present themselves? When is, you know, the next great app going to kind of blow up? When it's actually built and it's actually fun to use? And so making money is definitely a factor, but another good thing is just building cool products you want to use. Frenzy was the big one on Solana. It was kind of, it was fun for a minute. Just kind of gave it a little, little test run. This Avalanche one seems to have some legs on it. It's getting kind of a, good, a lot of traction. I think as far as that exploit earlier, I think it wasn't too bad of an exploit. I think that I saw Emil Post, the CEO or founder of Avalanche, that actually cost the exploiters more than it did to steal the incentives. I think they were paying like five cents to steal basically like three cents in incentives or something like that. So um, just kind of a, a funny little uh, workaround for them. But as far as I know, the exploit was was fixed. But it's good to see these apps. You know, some of these people have been building you know, in the background for, for a little bit of time. And, you know, I think we're going to start seeing a lot of these different use cases really kind of go into hyperdrive over the next kind of months and and really kind of see the, the actual use cases that people are going to use blockchain for finally after all these years. Consumer apps. Fubar I love Fubar's comment there. You yeah, see right. That? You took a, <laughs> Fubar commented on the Stars Arena and said, you took a fully functional base contract and somehow added a new attack. Excuse me, attack vector in your verif unverified fork. Delete your account and product, you clown show. <laughs> oh, God. Gotta gotta love this. One final topic, you know, before we close out today, dude. The SBF trial. We're now on day three. Have you been following this at all, Adam? A little bit. Laura Shin is doing like live coverage from it, so I followed a little bit of what she said. But uh, no, can you give me the uh, TLDR? Yeah. So they're still going through 
they're still going through jury selection and there's a post here on protos.com it's called your guide to the spf trial starting today and it goes through the judge right it's a 78 year old judge it talks about the the uh, the US government's court the DOJ's court case against them basically saying you know that he's he was aware of all of this. It turns out Sam Trebeco um, is also a key witness, which everyone was wondering, is he going to be, you know, is he going to be punished or is he going to get off scot-free? looks like he's going to be getting off scot-free with a yacht that's paid by, paid by customers. The, the crazy part of this whole story, too, is his parents' involvement, dude, is much deeper oh, yeah, man. than anyone ha- had expected. He... So his father was a tax attorney, right? Or he's a, his, his, he has two Stanford parents that are both educators, professors. His dad does something that's like tax liabilities, how to save taxes. So they're saving money through his dad. He paid his father a million dollars. He bought his parents a $16 million house down in, in the Bahamas and gave them a $10 million gift. Now people are theorizing and the FTX, the F, was it the FTX liquidators? I forget his name. John Ray has filed a lawsuit against SBF parents, saying that the time, saying that the money that they used to pay for his court or to pay for his lawyer fees is that ten million dollars of customer deposits. <laughs> Clawback, baby. Claw it all back. You know, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be parents' money's back. Look, I don't, I have no zero in it, but I mean, for the people who lost money, uh, they need to take everything from the parents back. They need to take Kevin O'Leary's money back. Anybody who was, uh, you know, even if you didn't know, dude, if they, you should be, this money should be all clawed back, man. It was stolen money. Stolen money. Fraud from the get-go. The fact that Michael Lewis is defending this man through his book, or maybe he's just going on this media tour so that more people buy his book is also, you know, very probable. Very probable. There's not, nothing really to note of now. They're still trying to choose these these jurors. They said that it could take, another week but they expect this whole entire court case to be six weeks at max so maybe in another week we'll have a little bit more information coming out at this point i don't even know what to expect like how much more kind of shenanigans can can they really present at the end of the day over under the adam i'll give you this and then we'll, we'll close it up here over under sbf gets more years than elizabeth holmes of 11 years oh he'll get more i think he gets probably five years yeah 25 yeah. 25 out and 12 out of something like that i'm guessing yeah. but yeah I, I think he's going down harder i think it, they, they like uh, you know this is a great they'll get to whoever's running the uh, prosecution this is one where you get to put the feather in your cap and we wondered why it was like why did it take so long to arrest him all that sort of stuff it's like because they need to get their ducks in a row you know and uh, so I'm sure they'll have their ducks in a row. I mean, if he walks, oh, Lord, how amazing would that be? It would be entertaining. But, I mean, you look, you know SBF. He, he will get out. He's not, like, lifetime in jail. This is not forever for him. And when he gets out, you know for a fact this guy's got, what, $40, 50000000 million buried somewhere? Mm-hmm. Like, there's zero question. I have, I have no empathy for him at all. Zero. Lock him up. Lock, Lock him up. up. My guess is 17 years is what, 17, what, right. what I say. 25. I'm writing it down. Jake, 25. 17. Chris, what's your guess, man? Jake's got 17. I got 25. What's the over under right there? I might as well meet you guys in the middle. Go some, some BTC. I'll go 21. 21. All right, man. <laughs> dog, dog, dog father. Here, here. What do you think? You take an over under middle of all of it. Oh, we lost dog father, man. Yeah. Might've lost him. That's okay. You know, he's <laughs> tending to the kitties. Well guys, you know, 
you heard the alpha emblem markets a marketplace a platform a true multi-chain experience expect more news coming out the goal you know by the end of quarter four to be launched hopefully much sooner than that but a lot of a lot of things to decide on the future is multi-chain appreciate you guys here we do this tuesday through thursday 11 30 a.m eastern time until whenever we end generally about an hour Enjoy your weekend. If you're out in Paris, you know, go go uh, hang out with some frogs, take some shots for us, and we'll see you on Tuesday.